Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Hello. Hi, Notion. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, I just requested you. My bad. I forgot. Yeah, I, was, y'all. I was trying to figure out. I felt old for a second. I was like, how do I do this live thing? <laughs> but yeah, I haven't okay. done too many lives, so this is great. But yeah, how are you doing? What are you up to? I'm good. We were just, uh, we were filming something, actually. So that's why my voice sounds a little tired. And that's why I needed that chai. So. Yeah, <laughs> you can never go wrong with chai. I had chai a couple couple minutes ago. It's, it feels so good, especially winter days. Um, are you out in Cleveland right now? I am, yeah. So I've been here okay. for, uh, was it last week or so? I'm just kicking it with the fam, and yeah, then yeah. Uh, I'll probably be going back to Toledo this Sunday. Um, we start back up with everything. Yeah, how far is Toledo from from Cleveland? It's only two hours, like two hours west of here. Oh, that's uh, not, so bad not at far all. away. Yeah, that's like that's like the perfect distance to be away from home. Right, like, right. To be far enough that you need to like dorm and you like you have your own space. But if you wanted to, like, you could come back. Yeah, absolutely. With the fam. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, we're super excited to have you on. Um, so Shaunak uh, reached out to us and introduced himself as a multi-talented Bengali-American musician and medical student. <laughs> what a grand combo. Honestly, I, you know, I was talking to my team members about this and it's just like, can people do less? <laughs> Please do less because it just makes you feel like, damn, like, do I do enough? <laughs> no, no, like, no, medical, no. medical student and musician, that's that's such an amazing combo kind of wanted to ask you you know like the origins of of how that came about did you always know that you wanted to be a a physician a doctor was music kind of like a side thing that you later realized that this could become like something fruitful and later you decided let me just do both i think they've kind of they came about both around the same time uh so in, in terms of what i wanted to do with medicine uh i had definitely known for a number of years prior to uh, kind of making moves towards it in terms of, uh, you know, applying to medical school and everything. And then for music, music has just been a part of my life for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I was, I started learning piano when I was about four years old. And then I had, you know, various journeys through different instruments. Like some of them were self-taught, some of them were, you know, going and learning from people. And then it all kind of culminated when I was in college because I was a part of a competitive dance team and acapella team, both of yeah. which were South Asian fusion. Uh, in the Desi Dance Network and Network of Desi Acapella. And so that really allowed me to see, you know, what would just like creating music and that type of genre look like and kind of creating music for people, people who rep, you know, a multitude of identities. It's not just one. And then mm-hmm. the thing is, is that I think I am best when there's many, many things happening in my life. And so it made sense to, you know, try and do both for as long as I can. And I'm blessed to, you know, be able to do it right now while I'm in medical school as well and continue to just see uh, how I can continue creating and continue to see how I can make an impact in the medical field as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm a grad student myself and I'm doing my master's. And one thing that I realize is very different from undergrad is that once, once you get into like professional degrees or master's degrees, students like really can't take on a lot of extracurricular things like they're very in much in tune with their field and their their studies and don't have a lot of time for other things and so that's 
I, I kind of wanted to gauge how how do you compare you doing music? How does that compare to other students in your cohort in medical school? I've never really viewed it as an extracurricular, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm always studying music the same way that I'm studying medicine. And because I feel like a lot of the energy that I put into medicine, I get back through music. And then a lot of the energy that I put into music, I get back in medicine as well. That two-way street that's always happening keeps me engaged in both. So it's like weird for me to refer to, to music as extracurricular because it's, it's not even a hobby at this point. You know, it's like I, I'm very passionate about it, very serious about it. And I'm just trying to see what I can do with it just as much as I'm trying to see what I can do with medicine as well. Um, but I think it's definitely, it's definitely a societal stigma, right? Uh, in terms of people, once they get into higher education, it's like, okay, higher education is all that you need to be doing. Everything else is a hobby. Everything else is extracurricular. But yeah. something that's been really encouraging is I've definitely, just in this year, I've seen a lot of people who are turning those things that they're very passionate about into their full-fledged careers. And it's not, you know, the run-of-the-mill careers that you would expect. And exactly. that kind of speaks to this, this higher, um, hopefully, change that I'm seeing of people being okay with having multidimensional careers. I think that your career can be made up of a lot of different occupations, if that makes sense. The career exactly. is very individual. Um, so just like Notion's career might be one thing, you know, Sean Royal's career could be one thing encompassing a multitude of jobs, encompassing a multitude of passions, and not so unidimensional. Exactly. I think having those multiple facets actually make you more interesting as a candidate in whatever field. That's a shift, actually, I see from, from the previous generation. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, especially when you compare to our parent generation, um, assuming that your your folks came here from from Bangladesh to America, um, mm -hmm. and that you're you're first gen here, and you know back back home they they're very much of like a very closed mindset. You just study one thing. You go into college declaring like what you're going to study. Don't really even have a liberal arts education, and anything that's creative is is very much separate from anything right. that's like technical or STEM related. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed in that regard, though. So my family and I, we're actually from India. I'm from West Bengal. Okay. Uh, but my, you know, my extended family is from, is from Bangladesh uh, because, I don't know, I think, I think this is actually very interesting. I think that it's, it's funny how when people think of the word Bengali, right, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. it has to be, you know, somebody from Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like, People in West Bengal feel very similar. It's like to be Bangali is like, oh, you're just from Kolkata. You're just from West Bengal. Like Bangladesh means you're Bangladeshi. You're not Bangali. But I right. feel like our generation is, is starting to bridge that and like recognize the history of it in terms of, you know, we were like, we were one. It's very strategically split because of ethnic tensions, religious tensions. Yeah. And I think that acknowledging that makes us a lot stronger. Exactly. And, it's, it's the language that unifies us as as a ethnic group you know it's not yeah. really a nationality as much right exactly yeah for sure exactly yeah i actually wanted to ask you like your your songs are a fusion with bangla and and like sometimes english like are you are you fluent in bangla like did you grow up speaking bangla do you only speak yeah. bangla at home what's what's the situation yeah pretty much i mean so I, I think probably a story like most is that everywhere outside the house it, it was english and then inside the house 
it was mainly just Bangla. I think as I've grown up, honestly, as my parents, my parents and I moved here when I was young. So then mm -hmm. as they began to, you know, just in their jobs and everyday life, speaking English so much, I think mm -hmm. we kind of shifted where we're probably 50-50 in the house now in terms of speaking Bangla and English. Yeah. Um, but definitely it was, it, it was emphasized. And so for that reason, it was always speaking it and then transitioning into, okay, I, I can speak it, but you know, what would it be like to make, make songs in it? Because I feel like maybe, and this is another question. I don't know if people in who are like hardcore from Bangladesh versus coming from West Bengal, but it's like the new, the new Bangla era music type thing always seems to come from people in Bangladesh because I feel like people in West Bengal are very like, you know, it's Robindranath or die type of mentality. <laughs> uh and yeah so, that's that's true or even arjit singh right who's who's oh, yeah. yeah who's west bengal yeah 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 <laughs> that's yeah wow i never noticed that but i i noticed now that i think about it yeah that's so true yeah. so wait so actually you were you were born in west bengal and then came here at what age did you like do so, any school there no very young basically i mean before oh, okay. i talk we, yeah. we have moved here um but it was like we moved yeah. here and then my grandfather passed away so we went back we were there again and then moved back but i but i always say i was raised here because i don't have like memories, memories yeah. from there anything yeah that's but, yeah. With within our generation you kind of see a split of like people who are who were born here from the beginning and then you also have those who came here like at some part in their childhood and kind of experienced both worlds Right, um, exactly. Yeah, and have to transition. And then you have the like in between group like yourself who came here, technically was born there, doesn't even remember it, but came here. <laughs> so effectively could have just been born here to begin with. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So how so I, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, like your your family situation, like the structure at home and kind of what yeah. did you like formatively to become the like creative that you are. Um so I'm guessing that medicine was something that you wanted to do yourself. And a lot of Desi families I see have a lot of pressure on their kids to, you know, be mm -hmm. a physician or be a lawyer or engineer. Um, was there any, any kind of pressure from, from your parents' side to do that? No pressure. I think the, yeah. the biggest pressure was financial stability, right? And, and that coming here, obviously my parents had to go through a lot of raising me and my sister. And so mm -hmm. the goal was always that, you know, whatever career you pursue, Make sure it's one that is stable so that you don't have to go through the struggles that we had to go through uh, type of deal. So there was no pressure to be like, no, you have to be a doctor or you have to be a lawyer. But it's just something naturally that I, I fell in love with just that service aspect of it because it was I don't have any doctors in my family. And so it's this thing where like, you know, I'll be like, yeah, I want to be a physician. Everybody's like, oh, word, you must have everybody in your family must be doctors. That's why you want to be a doctor. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but it was very much coming from a place of just falling in love with everything that there is to do in that career and the different ways that you can spin out from it. And then fortunately having, you know, supportive parents and a support structure at home and among friends to, you know, help me along that journey. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully your parents were very supportive of you choosing to become a professional musician, ranger, composer as well. Right. Yeah, because they, it's it's in our, I don't want to say it's in our blood, but we love doing a lot of things, right? So my parents, mm -hmm. my parents run a media company. And then in the early 2000s, they were kind of the first to push this, this genre of like Bengali podcast focusing on, again, this like bridge between 
those that are in the Bengal region and then people who have come out into the diaspora and starting to bridge through multimedia forms. And so because they were so passionate about doing multiple things, I think that just, you know, kind of ran its way Rubbed through. It's like, yeah. 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 Absolutely. From, from the music standpoint, who is your mentor that kind of helped you, you know, go through this process? Were, were there musicians in your family um, that kind of, you know, helped you, guided you along this process? No, so my, both of my parents sing. And so we, we have a musical family in the sense that music's always playing at home. Uh, but I think that in every step of the musical journey, just the people who were around me helped like shape one aspect of it. So when I was getting trained in, in Western classical piano, my piano teacher there was amazing um, and really like honing in on, on technique and fundamentals. And then there was this period of time where I was learning from a jazz musician. And that's kind of where this whole idea of arrangement and things starting to come in because jazz is so much improv. Uh, and that improv is very similar to if you're learning Hindustani classical music or, or Carnatic classical music, improv and ad-libbing is such a big part of that art form. It was like, mm -hmm. that's where the parallels started to begin, you know, to get drawn where I was like, okay, this is, you know, similar to if I was just to riff off on an all-up or do something here. And then when I went to college, just being surrounded by people who were passionate about wanting to create this type of fusion music and that mm -hmm. novelty of, no, we don't need to just be like, okay, I'm just going to make a all English song or I'm going to make an all Hindi song. Like, how would it sound like to actually put it together? And I think that I was fortunate because I think I came in at a time where a lot of the, the novelty had switched from just those like one language things where it's just like, oh, people from the diaspora singing in their native tongue to people mm -hmm. in the diaspora trying to bridge their, you know, their identities. I think I came in in that like collegiate music scene during that transition time. So that right. support was already starting to build up. Whereas I think if I had come maybe a couple years before, um, that mm -hmm. would have been a little bit more difficult to get support around or encouragement from. But it's always just been the people around me, like supporting me and like believing in the vision for sure. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I actually, yeah, I think we went to college around the same um period of time and from yeah. I, I also did acapella in college and one thing that I remember very vividly is when Pen Masala in particular yeah. like started blowing up and going viral from you know like their various mashups that they started doing right, right. Um, and that's that's very true before that you know you really couldn't pinpoint groups that did that you know like bridging of the of the two cultures as much like you had you had groups at like Berkeley College of Music, for example, who did right. a lot of AR Rahman stuff because he right, right. he like worked with some of the groups there, but you didn't really have, you know, both the English and the Hindi or the English and the Bangla or whatever other tongue. Um, that's very true. So what what is your favorite piece that you arranged um during during your time in, in these groups? That's a great question. I think there's yeah, so there was one, one. Yeah, it's a hard one. <laughs> Um, oh, real fast, I'll just answer this question from Bangla Bolo. Do you see this movement continue with the younger generation? 100%. Um, and I feel like the fact that there is, I think it's hit mainstream more, especially with stuff um, in TikTok and whatnot, where this idea of repping both, whether it's those like transition TikToks and everything, I think you're starting to see people more comfortable with that. So it's just a matter of nurturing it, um, you know, people above and below in terms of generations being supportive of people 
exploring not just one part of their identity, but multiple parts. My favorite arrangement uh, that I made, so I was on, I was on the Macapella at Case Western, and so one of the arrangements we made was Man Mandira, which was technically all, it was a single language piece, uh, but that was kind of the one that my approach to it was very, I want to make this arrangement, but it's going to be a very Western arrangement, but everything about it is also going to be very Eastern. And it was received very well. Um, and, and hopefully I think I was also able to just inspire more people to take, take risks like that of like, okay, what would it sound like to put this song completely over Western chord progressions, but never sacrifice the authenticity of like the solo lines. I think that was the novelty factor of that piece. Right. And then, uh, another one of my favorites, one of the fusion ones was, what was that one senior year? I'm like totally. This wasn't that long ago. <laughs> so hard for me. I know it. It it feels like it was so long ago. At the same time, it feels like it was just then. Why can't I remember stuff? Um, it was. I, I, uh, I had another uh, a question while while you're trying to remember it. Uh, yeah, yeah. A question. You know, Western music and and Eastern music are very different in terms of style, but also like in terms of technicalities, right? Like the scales, right. the chromatic scales are like very different. Right. right. Um, so how do you resolve those two or how do you even teach it to someone um, who hasn't been trained in like um, Eastern music, for example? Yeah, I mean, that was me. <laughs> I wasn't trained in Eastern music. And I was like trying to figure it out on my own. Yeah. And I remember it's like the summer after my freshman year, I had been elected music director and I was like, OK, I can't teach people if I don't know what I'm talking about. So I was like just running this crash course of figuring out the parallels between rock structure, scale structure, understanding like what are the English technical terms that are somewhat related and what are the completely unrelated terms that I won't be able to translate across, I'll only be able to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. And I think that for as much, as much flack that music theory gets, if you understand music theory, everything about the musical experience is so much more enjoyable, right? It falls into so, place. Yeah. yeah. And so, that was that was the challenge it was just figuring how can i best you know make use of it given my limited knowledge um because i'm not trained but i think that's yeah, the fun yeah. of it right it's like diving in into the fire you got no idea what you're doing but i think it's good yeah completely self-taught yeah oh yeah richie yeah. olympic guy that's the one i like that one a lot that was i think my senior <laughs> year what are the best platforms for musicians to monetize and sustain their work Linktree and Snipfeed exists, but curious to hear how you think about it. Yeah, this is a great question. If you have the answer as well, let me know. I'm always trying to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Still figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this is the thing, right? Is that depending on the type of creator that you are, there, I don't think there's like a set way that works in terms of being like sustaining your work, because a lot of people will tell you that, okay, the key to amassing an audience just find out the thing that works and just keep repeating it. But that mm-hmm. advice makes no sense for a musician or a really any type of like dancer, singer, artist, because you thrive on being inspired by new things every time. So the type of content that you create is different every time. So right. it's like getting your, getting your fan base or, you know, your followers or whatever you want to call it to not just fall in love with the work that you do, but fall in love with you as a person and as a creator. So in my opinion, the best way to sustain your work is to make sure that you're never trying to promote just a single thing. You're trying to promote the fact that it's you, 
that created them because of your various influences, teachings, this and that. And like then in you, terms of, you are the brand. Exactly. Not just exactly. The stuff that you make. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the best way to monetize, I mean, you know, hopefully you're on, on the usual streaming platforms and such and making sure you've got things locked in with the distributor so you can just send the music to as many places as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully that helps. I use Linkfire also for the link accumulation stuff. Uh, so that way you can just pick up some analytics along the way of, you know, who and where is actually responding to the content mm-hmm. uh, putting out. Cause I mean, analytics is the name of the game for sure. What is, what is your story of first being discovered by, by producer? I mean, you're, I'm, what I, from what I read, your first breakthrough was working with um, the Nepali rapper on, one yeah. of, um, I forget his name, but um, yeah, how did, song yeah. that you were, yes. Yeah. So how, how did that come about? Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. It was, I had come across one of his songs. My mom was raised in Darjeeling. And so we had, um, we had been to Nepal and not Nepal. We had been to Darjeeling in around 20, I think it was 2014, right before I went to college uh, for undergrad. And that language is crazy because for me, it's like when you are moving from West Bengal, Bangladesh, and as you move up, Nepali sounds like a mix of, uh, of Bangla and like a lot of the Chinese dialects. And that was yeah. wild to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just hearing that, I think it kind of just, you know, picked my ear a certain way. So I came across him. I was like, this is really cool. Let me just send him an instrumental. And I didn't get a response from him for like six months. And then I was in, I, I was like in class one day in my first year of med school. And then I get like a Facebook messenger call from his page. And I was like, I'm in class right now. Can wow. I call you back? Um, and so after class, I called him and he mm-hmm. said he was interested, not in the instrumental I sent at all. He was just like, let's make something, but not what you sent me. <laughs> yeah I was let's like, work together yeah wow. and so that's how and that came back later too yeah yeah and i mean that's just goes to show you that a lot i think this is for a lot of creatives a lot of the work that you mm-hmm. see that like blows up or something or like is a big breakthrough it's been the making for probably years <laughs> or like you know that success that you see is never representative of how long that it took it's always yeah. way longer I th- i think that's something that's common among all creative disciplines. Um, yeah. and a, a common theme I see is that creatives don't have a lot of credit or like their, their time really isn't appreciated or like even paid that well. Um, I mainly right. think of like visual artists, but I can also imagine the same for, um, for up and coming mu- uh, musical artists as well that, um, you know, we, we, we see the end product, but we, we, very much undervalue all the time and effort and even just the building up of skills that it took to get to that point of making this right. product. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Are, are you, a, are you a visual artist yourself? No. So I'm, um, I guess I fall in between the technical and, and the creative visuals, but um, I'm training to become an architect and I'm starting to become an architect. So that's kind of Merging both the art and the technical and the engineering and the yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's kind That's of like so the cool. ideal in between. Yeah. But I had to give up music. And, you know, that, that was my thing that I did on the side. Um, not as passionately as you, not as good as you, <laughs> like, oh, no, but no, it was no. the thing that, you know, was very like stress relieving uh, apart from all the stuff that was happening, like in classes. So 
Yeah, now absolutely. I have to find something else to, <laughs> to replace. Yeah, that well, hopefully, hopefully yeah. you can get back into it. Don't don't let it slip yeah. away. For sure, for sure. Um, so so you actually offer production services and arrangement services for others as well. Um, and I I saw on your website that there are some wedding arrangements um from from things that you've put together. Um, yeah. How how often do you get like wedding arrangements? That's such a big gig, especially in like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, weddings are such a big event. Right. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, a lot of those services they were definitely more prominent when I was first getting started out because it's kind of the shift, right? You go from mm-hmm. you go from creating with other people's content, and you see, you know, what you can spawn from that, and then very yeah. quickly, especially in this last year. Just the thrill of making completely original content where it's all me or I'm involved every step of the way and I'm not sampling other people's work or, you know, mixing and mashing up other people's work. I've been getting a lot more fulfillment out of that. So we still Mm -hmm. offer those services, but I probably haven't done a wedding. Well, I guess I have a request right now, (laughs) but I haven't done one um, in quite some time. But still just doing right now, it's like mixing a lot of other people's works, mixing in the like engineering their their releases. So kind Mm -hmm. of taking their rough products and packaging it together so that it's ready for distribution. That makes sense. Actually, another thing that I was wondering, how, how is it, you know, creating music right now during COVID in the middle of a pandemic when I'm, I'm guessing studios aren't as active or yeah. collaborations between artists aren't as easy because of distance and travel and things like that. I remember in the beginning of, beginning of quarantine, I wondered like, oh my God, no more albums or movies are going to come out for the next yeah. month until this thing blows over because how can they do it? But it seems like artists are still, you know, able, able to produce and create. Yeah. So I think from a creative standpoint, the content still comes. And mm. I think that, and, and especially for like, pr- like primarily producers like myself, we have a lot of the equipment that, you know, in our home studios and stuff. So we're able to still send things out. But for people who are just primarily singers or performers, the main problem that the pandemic presented was just, you know, money because these artists don't make money from like streams or from people playing the thing. It's all from live shows. And so because the live shows weren't able to happen, everybody had to adapt. So I know that live stream shows were, were really big. I was a part of a couple live stream shows during the summer. Those Mm -hmm. were all charity, but I know there was a lot of stuff that were happening where artists themselves were going and saying that, okay, hey, I'm going to do the show um, and, you know, be able to collect some sort of, sort of revenue that way. So mm-hmm. I think people have adapted, but obviously nothing beats, you know, being in the same place and being able to, to create and collaborate. So hopefully yeah. once the vaccine starts rolling out and everything uh, and everybody is taking things seriously as they should be, uh, yeah. we'll be able to get back to, to some sense of normalcy. Definitely not what it was before. Yeah, I, I can imagine doing performances remotely is also so different because you don't have the energy and the yeah. the vibe from the from the audience. You know, like you're just watching a video and you're just like singing or talking to a screen. I actually have a question from from Cam. Um, can you sing something now? Totally up to you if you're comfortable. Can I you, sing something now? Even play a sample. Well, what do, you, what do you or, what do you want to hear? Cam, do you have a do you have a request? Maybe your most recent, most recent song. I know that one's a rap, so maybe yeah, that was a, that's a rap song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you want me to rap it for sure, I got you. Uh, anything he says, anything, anything. Ah, uh, yeah. we need some decisiveness, my friend. Uh, it's all good. 
Um, I can sing. I can sing the the bridge from that last song. So this last song that I put out was called Ishigechi. Uh, so it was a Bangla English, primarily rap song, and it was me just trying to experiment with that sound of what it would sound like for. This is not to knock Bangla rappers by any means, but I feel like Bangla rap oftentimes, maybe it's just my ears, it comes off as like corny, uh, because. Mm -hmm. Bangla is a very sweet language, so when you try and make it sound yeah. really hard, it's either going to work or it's going to sound very weird. Um, so it was it was interesting to try and like craft lyrics that sounded good both sonically, um, but also carried some meaning to it. Uh, and then yeah, Rajak is saying ASP two afterwards. Uh, okay, so the bridge was so Bangali chale rapping on it to be sample, body choy guy opo that's my mental. Bishash Korina, that's a gamble. Joke on Kali Deki shot from every angle. Message for the look, John Ishigeti, eh? Holocotta ever shown Ishigeti, oh, feeling like I'm in my zone, Ishigeti, eh? Shot the Kali by bone, Ishigeti, oh, message for the look, John Ishigeti, eh? Holocotta ever shown Ishigeti, oh, feeling like I'm in my zone, Ishigeti, eh? Bashi Kali by bone, Ishigeti. So that's a little bit of the, the bridge and the hook. Yeah, you did that without a beat in the back, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have to. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta keep it fresh. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, the, that whole song was such a bop. I was like, okay, we gotta have him on. Like, oh, thank you, thank song. you. Yeah. Thank you. And that's then, awesome. yeah, I see Ice Side Side Fish, Bangla Rap. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to change that laughing emoji to a heat emoji. You feel me? <laughs> we're getting there one day. We're getting there one at a time. Hey, do you remember that artist? I'm forgetting the name, but it was, it was this guy in, um, it was a group. And it was like a guy in dreadlocks, like red dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah, bang, bangla, bangla. A, bangla, yes, bangla. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I remember first watching that and I was like, why are they trying to do this? Like, bangla rap should not be a thing, you know, like, let's not try to yeah. experiment there, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, Actually, it's very I, funny. Yeah. Have, have you talked to other um bengali rappers the first one that comes to mind is ani khan um who's also part of the diaspora yeah yeah i mean i take a you know very big fan of him i haven't had the pleasure of you know talking with him or anything at all but big fan of what he does and repping for the culture yeah. and then mm -hmm. i think just in general there's there's actually not a lot of bangla artists you feel me like people who are trying That's to so Trying to, like, obviously, I have nothing against people who are passionate about one thing and want to do it without carrying their identity with them. Um, but mm -hmm. I think that if you can carry your identity with you, it just makes you that much more, um, like, enticing as an artist because I think that that helps people get to know you for you rather than Absolutely. just what you can do. People like, people like Ani Khan, people like, like Sanjoy, Nish, Mumsy, like, the whole UK crew out there as well, mm -hmm. they it's been really cool for me to come up and then like see them when they make music, it's still very much, they're making that music as Bangalese. And so that's yeah. very inspiring to me. Um, and so hopefully one day I have the chance to work with, with any of them or all of them. We'll see. For all of them. Yeah. Do a whole collab mashup. Um, so, so a while back we had the Bengalis of New York team had made a couple of playlists, you know, like we had the traditional bong, we had like the, the, um, like the diaspora and then we had like people artists who like mashed it up and we got a couple comments that you know a lot of the artists that we featured were actually male bengali or bengali american bengali british artists and that yeah. there weren't that many female bengali diaspora artists um do you have any insight as to why that might be the case i i personally can only name a few on 
both of my hands. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, at yeah. least you can do both. I feel like I can I, really I, only do I, one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, that's an interesting question. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of intersectionality that goes into that, right? I think that for one, what we were talking about with the societal pressures, very mm -hmm. different for for women compared to men, and that too coming from women being in a in a coming from a Bangali family. I know I probably know more artists and like artists in terms of like Akka than I know musicians, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And of those musicians, most of the time it's singers because if you just look at the production world or like producers across the scale, like across the globe, it's mostly male as well. And so yeah. I hope that that changes. I think again, this is how I speak on this all the time, but I, I really hope that there's more infrastructure that develops in this country to support like art like this, whether that's music, whether that's dance, whether that's, um, you know, any, any form of expression, because a lot of times, you know, all love to the Punjabi community and the Hindi speaking community, but because they're so dominant um, and there's so many of them, all of the infrastructure mm -hmm. is curtailed to them rather than anybody like the people yeah. who started repping me first were not from America. They were from like from Britain. So like telling. my, fir my yeah. first radio interview was with a British radio station because they're like the American radio stations here are going to be primarily looking at Punjabi artists, Hindi speaking artists. Um, and so mm -hmm. I hope that there's people. I mean, I think what you all do at Bengalis in New York is crazy. I mean, for me to like even go on Instagram and be able to go to a place where it's like just Bengalis repping. Uh, that's crazy. So we need more structure like that on an even more professional level to support that development, support mm -hmm. that growth so that for any, uh, any women that are coming up and they're looking like, okay, will I have support to when I'm going and I'm trying to create and I'm putting up my stuff, yeah. bam, it's mm -hmm. there. So in that way, we'll all be able to help elevate each other. Exactly. I think that's like the empowering part is kind of where where we come in you know like we're we're kind of all in this together and we have to help lift each other up you know yeah, the same like, kind of synergy that's so true um actually you know you you were talking about the other groups that exist um in in south asian music and i i think um particularly like the hindi speaking um uh languages or predominantly like hindi speaking regions they have the benefit of having bollywood movies be a huge you know, viaduct through which right. the music gets amplified and like distributed, you know, and people associate like a plot line with the, with the song or like certain right. actors and actresses. And that, that's such a huge medium, you know, for, for the music to be distributed. I, I unfortunately don't see that a lot in, in Bengali music. And I, yeah. I hope for that to be the case, you know? Yeah. The problem, the problem yeah. is money. I, I talk about it in the Ishigechi. It's like, you know, Bollywood money is crazy. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is it's that the investment, Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. So the investment, the investment that goes towards regional language emphasis work is just much, much less unless it's Punjabi music, because they they're mm -hmm. so tight knit in that community. They all support each other. And it's like mad infrastructure there to help help anybody that comes up as a Punjabi artist. They know where they need to go. Yeah. OK, so we're going to start wrapping up. Um, I'm going to ask anyone in the audience, if you have questions, please type it in the comments or use the questions function on the Instagram live. But for you, we have a fun little rapid fire uh, list of 20 or so questions. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Yeah. Okay. So favorite Bengali food? 
Match pot, man. Match pot. <laughs> okay. Favorite match? <laughs> oh, favorite match is it's not a Bangli match. I feel bad saying that, but I love salmon. I love yes? salmon. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be my go-to. Yeah. Go-to. Like for real, I'm gonna probably get people probably ostracize me in the comments for it. Like stuff like <laughs> the delicacies, like Elish match and Rui match. I can't stomach it. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Elish match though. You just need yeah. like well-made Elish match. Okay, next yeah. next one. Favorite Bengali song, like traditional favorite, favorite Bengali song. <laughs> Favorite traditional Bengali song. So there's a song called A Banglar Matite. <clears throat> and I think it was originally, it was probably, it was definitely a Bangladeshi artist that sang that song first. But it like passed through okay. everywhere. I love that song. That was one of the first songs that I heard at, at if you've ever been to like the North American Bengali conference, I remember I there was this uh, singer named um, Anit Dhar. And he sang that one. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Uh, I had to learn it for sure. Is it, is it like one of those patriotic songs that are associated with the liberation war? Uh, not really. I think it's just about the about the love. It's like a bangla matite mago jon maidio teyakash no di amar boro priyo. Wow, that's beautiful. I have to check that song out. Even yeah, if you it, it was really sweet. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> okay, next question is favorite Bollywood movie? Oh, man. Okay, favorite one where I'm going to cry every time? That is a mean part. Favorite one, which I think just like the plot line crazy. Uh, uh what's it three idiots three idiots <laughs> i really love yeah that is so true yeah <laughs> okay favorite netflix show yo okay so for real i really don't watch a lot of tv <laughs> so <laughs> i'm guessing my, you're a medical student part of yeah <laughs> but yeah. uh but my favorite ones like the ones that i watch, like friends when it was on netflix mm, um i was yeah. a fan of and then uh me and my girlfriend watched new girl a lot mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah i just finished yeah. that recently yeah show. yeah so those, those yeah. are all good, sure. Yeah, I've been hearing unpopular opinions that Friends is kind of overrated and that there are much more interesting characters and plot lines in other shows. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they, they got the cult run. following for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, favorite artist in general? Bangali English, any language, any ethnicity? No, dude, I mean, Arjit Singh. I think that, you know, his, mm. his rise, him and Sonanigam are, are two vocalists that I just really, really admire because mm-hmm. both of them they emphasize different things right so Nigam was like king of technicality when i was growing up and listening to his music like you knew if you were going to listen to a Sonu Nigam song like the technical abilities that he demonstrates insane but then yeah um arjit singh was interesting because his this era defined a uh, demand for tone again and i think that was similar to beyond um, like few generations back when you were listening to people like R.D. Berman or you were listening to Kumar Shanu in the 90s and things like that. It's, you had this emphasis of tone and then technicality, tone, technicality. It's always very cyclical. And so right now, his tone is what has defined like this 2010 eras. Yeah, Atif Aslam, same thing. All about the tone there. He's not yeah. like a crazy, technically talented person, um, but his tone is what draws you in. Rahat mm-hmm. Fateh Ali Khan. His tone and technicality are crazy. Like, that man's technicality crazy. 
Anu Malik and Javed Akhtar. Yeah. yeah, also good. I mean, Shankar Hassan Lo, I mean, those are some legends right there. I mean, mm -hmm. created so many great things, 2000s era. And Shankar Mahadev, a very gifted singer. Um, yeah. his, that, that arrangement that I did in Man Mandira, it was originally sung by him. Okay, next question. Do you watch any medical dramas? If so, favorite one? <laughs> I do not. Um, I guess I'll be okay. living in the medical drama, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't need to watch anything for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What was what was your dream college when you were applying? Uh, my dream college when I was applying, I think it was it was like Wash U or Duke were the mm -hmm. two. Um, but I'm very happy I didn't go to either of those because I had a fantastic time at Case Western. It always works out. Yeah, respectively. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What specialty are you thinking of for for being a physician in? I'm interested in cardiothoracic surgery right now, and. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like a general fascination with the heart. I think it's one of the, the coolest machines that exists in the world. And so that's what I'm aiming for right now. But obviously not in rotations yet. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Only second year, right? Yeah. Second year. Like okay, I'll, I'll so take a step year. exam in like three months. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> for, for our audience members out there, single or taken? Very taken. I think my girl's in the chat right now. But yeah. But shout, <laughs> shout out. Shout out, Ruchi. <laughs> hey, Ruchi. Okay, I just thought <laughs> of Ruchi and, and flavor. What is your favorite Bengali street food? Favorite Bengali street food? I, I really don't think I have a favorite Bengali street food. I feel like just any of, any, any of the street samosas are like Bani Puri on the street. That's definitely yeah. what, what I love. It hits. Okay, favorite Bengali house food? Favorite item that your mom makes? Favorite one that my mom makes? Uh, well, my mom makes everything good. I feel like I can't pick. I can't pick one. I know that my mom. That's, makes. that's the hardest question. Okay, how about party food or like wedding food? Bengali uh, wedding food. Um, you know, for it's me, weird. I feel like I feel like yeah. Let me let me hear yours. What, yeah, what, is, me, what do you define as a big? Say that you again. Know, like the roast that they have with the pulao. Yeah. That's prime. Yeah. Like, I, I would just say, like, like I feel like wedding pulao is always different than just, like... Than regular Yeah, pulao. regular pulao. Yeah. But I think that's just because of the environment that I'm in. I don't think there's anything <laughs> like, it's different served on a it. fancy plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Borhani or mango lassi, if you had to choose? Oh, mango lassi all day. Okay. Gulab jamun or roshgulla? Roshgulla, roshgulla. That's not even a question. Okay, lungi or PJs? Uh, PJs. I'm not much of a lungi dude. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Riksha or CNG? No, Riksha, you need that authentic for sure. <laughs> you need that authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What other ethnicity are you usually mistaken for? Uh, now I feel like nothing because I feel like I rep mad hard right now. So everybody's like, oh, oh yeah. yes. Dude. Um, like, but no before, like, yeah. yeah, but I, I think before I'm like I'm darker skinned than most, so people are always like, okay, maybe like just from the south of India. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what what is the funniest mispronunciation of your name that you've gotten growing up? Last question. Oh, sno snooker, snooker. Huh? I got I'm snooker. Sorry. How do you get <laughs> I do. I have no idea. Wow. Yeah, people really be snooker, with snooker and snack. <laughs> Snack. Before. That's a cool nickname, though. 
Actually, how did how did you choose your um your artist name? I'm guessing it came from your last name. Yeah, but it came from my last name. Yeah. What other? I have to. I have to shout out my sister. I have to shout out my sister. I don't know if she's in here, but she'll hate me if I don't shout her out. Uh, we were in uh we were in Paris, uh, in 2015. It was like the first time we had been to Europe for for a trip, and we were at some pal. I think it was King Louis Palace. And then I taken this picture and my sister was like, yo, what if you made the caption like parentheses ROI and then AL. So it's AL. And I was like, oh, that's so corny. I'm going to never do it. And then fast forward until I'm picking my name and I'm like, yo, what's going to go It's by? like <laughs> yeah. trademarks and everything. Like yeah, exactly. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you haven't even considered any other names before that was just like. No, yeah, no, I think, yeah, yeah it was either okay. just going to be Royal or it was going to be if I just went by my first name, Shaunak. Um, yeah. But I ended up just going Solid. with Royal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have one question. Um, have you heard of Kyo's rendition of Nishidat? I have not. Definitely send it to me. I'm intrigued. Yeah, we have a lot of people giving recs in the comments. Honestly, yeah. like seeing some, I'm like, I don't know some of these but i want to save all of this and and you know learn more about it yeah yeah but, okay awesome i mean this is this is the end of our our instagram live really awesome having you on thank you so much uh, thank you so much for having me yeah. it was lovely talking to you <laughs> everyone go follow royal shaunak on on instagram and thank you thank music. you yeah all right i don't thank you much love this. to you on Kalawasa. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. always in my heart. I it for my people, always in my thoughts. I gotta be honest. diamonds and pearls. Yeah, yeah. in New York. All over the world. It's the bony show. Hey, can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live From the slang we spit to the gangs we with It doesn't matter, we the essence of the Bangladesh I say, hey, come on, can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live